you see the world around you, your culture, society, family, uh, relationships, the world, politics, you name it, issues. Uh, it's the belief about culture and marriage and life and gender and sexuality and government. It's how you see life. Uh, wokeism is kind of the, the, the main philosophy that's, that's in the face of the world. And, and there's all kinds of different flavors of wokeism. But they all share these couple of traits. Number one, wokeism is anti-gospel. It means they offer another option than Jesus. You know, Jesus is one way among many. He's not the way. So wokeism is anti-gospel, anti-Jesus. Uh, but it's also uh, against God. It's against the Word of God, the ways of God, the uh, commandments of God, the all of it. it mocks God. It just uh, kind of flushes God a little bit. And that's at the heart of, uh, of wokeism. But what we found out is, man, no matter how many different kinds of worldviews that we, we hear about and read about, they're all, they're all tied in with pride, envy, and pleasure. We, we kind of said last week that there's only two worldviews. Uh, there's isms, there's Islamism and Catholicism, and there's all kinds of isms, Protestantism. But the truth is, there's isms and then there's Jesus. You can see it through a, 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 a set of worldviews, or you can go with him. He is the way. He's not one way among many. He's the way. Christians, by definitions, we're followers of Jesus. We seek to be like him. We seek to live our lives after him. We, we seek to pattern our lives after, our, after his teachings. If you're a Christian, by definition, that's who you are. You said, yep, I put my wagon on his. John 14, 15, 19. We've been hammering this verse for three weeks, but it's important. Jesus said, man, if you love me, do this one thing. Do what I say, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate. It means helper. I'm going to give you somebody who's going to help you out, and he'll never leave you. I'm about to go to heaven, okay? But the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send you, he's not going to leave you. He's the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you to all truth, just the way I lead you. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. They don't recognize him. They can't see him. They don't have that worldview. But you, on the other hand, you know him because he lives with you now, and when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send him back, and that's us. We've had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Soon the world will no longer see me. But you, even though I'm gone, y'all will see me because I'm still alive. I'm still living in you. Because He lives in us, church, death is no longer has a hold on us. Because He lives in us, we don't have to fall for the death hidden in the apple trick anymore the way Adam and Eve did. We have the wherewithal, we have the power to win and to overcome this test of obedience now brother mike the test of obedience is this we found out that god puts trees in all of our gardens and we have to determine if we're going to do with the tree what god wants us to do or not sort of like how adam and eve were in the garden and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they had to determine what they're going to do with that tree god said don't eat from it they had to determine whether they're going to eat from it or do what God says. You and I have trees in our garden that we have to determine, are we going to treat this tree the way God wants us to, or are we going to do our own thing? Because he lives in us, we have the power to do what he wants us to do. We can see, we can love, we can discern right and wrong and sin uh, because we've surrendered our spirit to the spirit of Jesus and he lives inside of us. Church, the, many, uh, the, the reason why many of us don't live with this authority that God has placed within us, the reason we don't live with that authority of God in our life is because we don't live under the authority of God in our life. It's hard to cast out demons and, and, and move mountains with our faith when we're not living obediently in the areas of our life. We can't operate with the authority unless we're operating under the authority. Uh, let's 
Let's change the way we see some things. Let's change our worldview a little bit today, the way we see marriage, the way we see kids, the way we see the world, the way we see culture. And a biblical worldview covers these resources. Um, this, is a, this is a snack. You may not like the snack, but it's a snack. It's not the sermon, but it's a snack. Um, believe it or not, even the way you view your finances incorporates into your worldview. Because your money is a big part of your life. Uh, if you've had money, you know it's good. If you've not had money, you know that you wish you had it. But the money in our life, we have to take a biblical worldview on that. Well, Brother Mike, what's, tell me about that. Here's a crazy thing. How many of y'all, this is the first time you've been going here for maybe a couple of years, this is the first time you've ever heard me talk about money? Thank you, Selena. Yeah. Heath's been going to church here for five years. So this isn't something I do it all the time, but I think it's important that I do it to you, uh, that I share this with you. Um, ten people in this church, ten people in this church uh, give 45 cents of every dollar that's given, ten people. If not ten people, then ten uh, groups of givers. Ten people. Uh, the average median age of those ten people is 69. 69 is the average age for the people who allow this church to do what she does. The average mortality age in Illinois is 77. So by the year 2035, the majority of the people who are faithful with their financial giving to this church are gone. 50% of 45 cents of, of, of every dollar that's given. And, and I, I'm paid modestly. I, I, don't live, I don't live in a fancy home or anything like that. So I don't want you to think it's that. But church, I began, when I looked at those numbers, they're alarming. And then I began to question, where's the next, set of group, where's the next group of saints going to come from who are faithful with their giving the way these people have? And you might be saying, well, Brother Mike, that's awful mean to say to those people who give. I'm on the list. And I can tell you this, Jason, the only reason I'm on the list is because that woman right over there, she has been faithful with our finances our entire marriage. And God has blessed. Now, the reason I tell you that, church, is because of this. There is going to come a time in the church where we're wondering, how do you keep the lights on? How do you keep the doors open? How do you do this? And you're going to wonder, how did it get this way? I want you to remember back to this Sunday. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I do know how to read the writing on the wall. Our assignment, church. And by the way, I'm not saying, oh, give, and we're going to throw a parade for you. Y'all, I'm not telling you that you look at your finances so you can let people know how good you are. You give and you're faithful with your finances to let people know how good God is. Because he can do more in my life with less if I just give it all to him. And that 10%, it just represents all of us. And Lord, it's all yours. So who's going to be the next group of folks at CFBC who understand that God makes us to be rivers and not reservoirs? Reservoir, uh, reservoirs hold the water. They hold everything and nothing goes out. If you ever went fishing on a reservoir, uh, you know that there's slime and junk on the water because it never releases. You go to a river, you can drink out of that sucker because it just flows and it stays clean. Church, God made you to be a, ri a river. A blessing comes in this hand. Look for somebody else to give it away to. 
And here's the amazing thing. You let go of it with, with this hand, it won't be open. It won't be empty long. He'll send it. Now, here's the thing. Well, Brother Mike, that don't ever happen to me. Let's look at your checkbook. Let's look at your checkbook. You see, you don't live with the authority if you don't live under the authority. All right. Y'all good? All right. Closing prayer. <laughs> Suckers. All right. That money tree, my mom and dad said, you think money grows on tree? No, but I do got a money tree. In my life, in my garden, I've got to determine what I'm going to do with that. And every time we pass a plate, every time we uh, tell you to give online, or you can give your text. Y'all, offering in a church is, is New Testament worship. It's part of the worship service, okay? So when we do that, it's so that you can be faithful with your giving. We ain't looking. I don't, we ain't looking. It's just, this is the thing that it is, it, it's the truth. The alternative is this. Here's the alternative. Man, I love you. With your, with your finances, You've got two choices. You can either be obedient or disobedient. That's it. It's, there's really nothing else to it. But here's the amazing thing. Some of you are saying, well, Brother Mike, I, I don't know if I can give 10%. Okay, start with one. If some of you start with one. It would be a big deal. Then in six weeks, maybe go to 2%. Work, it, work your way into it. I'm not saying that all has to be done right now. And here's the thing. People will say, well, I don't give my tithe or offering because I give my time. You ever heard that? I give my time. Listen here, baby girl. It's not either or. It's both and. You give of your time and you also give of your resources because that's your life. I tell you what, I sure would hate for God to take away either one of those things from me, time or money. All right. Shut up, Mike. Go on. All right, let's go. Uh, I got the Bible at you. This is the most important part. Should we, some, uh, should people cheat God? God says, you've che- yeah, you've cheated me, but you ask, well, how do we, what do you mean? How have we ever cheated you, God? You ever cheated God? How have, we treated, how have we cheated you, God? God says, because you've cheated me with your tithes and your offerings. Preacher, I didn't know that was in there. You're under the curse for the whole nation. You've been cheating me. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse. Brother Mike, what's a storehouse? If you're being fed spiritually at a church, brother, that's your storehouse. It's not Amway, it's not the United Way, it's not the Boy Scouts, it's not the Cub Scouts, it's not the Lions Club. It's the storehouse. Brother Mike, can you show me that in Scripture? Yeah, thanks for asking. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheated me. Bring all the tithes and storehouse so that there will be enough food in my... If you do this, says the Lord of heaven, uh, the armies of heaven, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour blessing out on you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room uh, to take it in. And check this, you won't find this in the scripture anywhere else. God says, I dare you, try it. Test me in this. Preach, I didn't know that was in there. You're welcome. Now here's the thing. Miss Pam and I have never tied this so we can, obviously, to get rich. In fact, we don't tithe to get anything out of God at all. We tithe because we love Him. We tithe because He's given everything we have. So we give. All right. I say that, guys, because that's a worldview. It fits into your worldview, but it's not the only area of the worldview. If you want to have a complete, well-rounded worldview, it, it does have money in it, but I'm going to be honest with you guys, that was the thing that I really, it came that close to not making the sermon. And I know some of you are wishing, I wish you prayed on it a little bit longer so we wouldn't have had to hurt it. 
But I hate for it to go into the floor because I probably would have forgot it and I wouldn't have shared it with you. But these areas that I'm about to give you right now, areas like identity and truth and focus and things, this will help you deal with every area, whether it's money, marriage, finances. Here it is. If you want to have a biblical worldview, here's the first secret. You have to have Jesus at the center of your identity. He is who you are. He is who you are. He is the reason you get up. He is the reason you smile. The woke ideology says identify as a victim. Identify uh, because you have been marginalized. Or a woke would say that you are worth is because you have been uh, marginalized or you've been oppressed or you've been, you've been outcast. Nobody understands you. You're a victim. The world says embrace being a victim. Your worth is based on how much of a victim you've been. Church, listen to me. The Bible says you're not a victim and you're not a slave. You're adopted into God's family. Your identity is wrapped up in Him. The Bible says Galatians 4.4 But when the right time came, God sent His only begotten Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. The Bible says that He was subject to the law, which means this. Jesus was born as a human, but, he's also born, but He was born into a Jewish family in Israel. He was underneath the covenant of God. He had to obey every law, every dot, every tittle, every bit of it in order to be the Savior for you and I. When Jesus was born, He was born in that family. He was under the law and He satisfied it. He fulfilled it. Never one time dropping it. Never one time falling for the tricks that the first Adam did. Satisfying every claim and demand of the law. Listen to this. God, God sent His Son to die on the cross to buy us our freedom. The rest of that text goes on. says so that, the, uh, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. Ooh, would you rather be a slave or a son? Would you rather be a slave or a son? Two little boys out walking by a field, and you couldn't tell one from the other. One was brown, uh, brown hair, one had blonde hair. They were walking, you didn't know. They were both working, and they were both doing what they were supposed to do. But you sure couldn't tell them from a difference. But there was a big difference between both those boys in the field. One was a hired hand. He was brought on for summer help. And whenever he tilled a row, it was property. Whenever he held a tractor, it was property. It didn't belong to him. It belonged to the boss man. Now the other little boy, the little blonde boy, you see, he grew up there. His old man was the boss, and, and, and the property uh, that he was on was going to be his, and he knew that, he understood that, he understood the full uh, totality of that. Now you could not tell those two boys apart. You couldn't tell which one was a slave and which one was a son. You couldn't tell which one was a hired hand and which one was there because it was a family business. But church, it's the same thing in his church. There can be slaves sitting right next to sons, and we don't know about it. Brother Mike, what do you mean by this? The slave is in a different relationship with the owner than the son is. Oh, follow me on this. You see, the son doesn't call the boss boss. He calls us the boss daddy. And whenever he is doing something, it's not, oh, the old man's getting rich off this. Oh, I'm not getting any of the benefit. No, when the child does the job, when the son does the job, he's doing it to impress his father. There's slaves and sons sitting in this room today. Do you do what you do because you identify with God as your boss? Or do you do what you do because you identify with God as your father? It's all about identity. It's all about who you are. Not only is he about your identity, but he's about your thoughts. You're doing a good job, Jane. If we are focused on Christ, He has our attention. If we are focused on Christ, we're concentrating on Him. If we are focused on Christ, 
We're going to be in His Word. And He will occupy the forefront of our minds. Beautiful lady came to my office this morning, Miss Suzanne Spindler. She said, Brother Mike, I was praying today. And, I, and she said, I, I, I couldn't even hardly walk around on my walker. And she said, I was, I was praying. She said, she said, Brother Mike, this is my prayer. She said, Lord, I'm going to go to church today. But if I'm going to go, I'm going to have to hold your hand. How many women... How many women would you have said, Matt, forget it. Oh, you almost caught me. How many women just would have said, I ain't worth it today. I'm staying home. How many, how many women today would have said, I can't even make it out the stairs. I ain't going down to that church. But I'm going to tell you why she did. Jesus is in her thoughts. If she's down, Jesus, how are you going to help me? She's sad. Jesus, can you give me some joy? Her first thoughts to go to the king. Her first thoughts to go to the Jesus. Brother Mike, why are, you, why are you talking about Miss Suzanne? Because I'm honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always do that either. But she does. Our thoughts must be on Him. It's such a focus that it's only fitting that He's the center of our focus. The Bible says He is the body. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among, uh, among the dead. So that in everything, He might have a supremacy. Church, by rights, He should have focus of our mind. He's over it all. By the way, you need to pay attention to what's on your mind. The Bible says this, we're humans, but we don't wage war just as people do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Jesus Christ. It sounds very familiar to the Great Commission. Go you therefore, baptizing all the nations, bapt- uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. See, our thoughts, guys, are a big thing. They keep us down or they can lift us up. Our thoughts can keep us in sin or they can bring us to the cross. Our thoughts are important. It's important what we keep in front of our, uh, of our mind. Here's five practical ways to keep Jesus as the focus of your thoughts. Number one, if you're taking notes, commit to being in the Word of God. Okay? If this is the only Bible you get all week, you're not getting any Bible. Amen, preacher. Preach it. And I say that by comparison. If this is the only time you're getting Bible, by comparison, you're not getting any. Number two, get, work on your prayer life. Work on your prayer life. Be intentional about it. Pray about big things, little things, all things. What Miss Suzanne told me this morning was beautiful. She, she was just talking about a physical infirmity. I'm old. I can't get along well. I can't hence see. And you know what her first thought was? I'm going to pray about it. And you know what she did when she started praying about Rachel? She invited Jesus into the situation. She turned the thought and her attention turned to God. Number three, recognize Jesus as your protector. What do you mean by that, Brother Mike? It means not only is Jesus the, is the good shepherd and the great physician, he's your great physician. He's your good shepherd. He's your buckler. He's your strong and mighty tower. He's your savior. Number four. Understand you need the Lord and He's the source of every good thing in your life. You need the Lord and He is the source of every good thing in your life. You need the Lord. And he's the source of every good thing in your life. Brother Mike, what's that mean? It means you need the Lord. You can't do it on your own. Suzanne knows that. For those, of, for those who try to have a godly worldview, we know that. We can't do squat. And I'm just glad you think of me. All right. Five. See the world for what it is. This is a hardcore one. Y'all, the world is not all 
unicorns with rainbows hanging out their ear ends. The world's full of sin, and it's broken. Let's just be honest. Okay, hey, the Bible itself says that the God of this world is the devil. Let's just, okay, that's reality. The world's broken, and it's dark, and it needs the light that's been put inside of you. His name is Jesus. We're looking at the top five areas that keep Christ in the foundation of our worldview. We talked about identity. We talked about thoughts. Thirdly, let's talk about truth. Today, truth is subjective in our world. It's in flux. Those who adhere to woke ideologies view truth as subjective. It's a matter of opinion. Truth is different for everybody according to that movement. But this is what Jesus said. He said, hey, baby boy, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, nobody goes to the Father except through me. Now, there's a beautiful thing attached to that word truth. The word truth there in the Greek is uh, aletheia. It means, it means reality. Follow me, because to me, this, to me, it does it for me. He says, I am the aletheia. He's saying, I am the reality. I am the real deal. It doesn't get any more real than me, is what Jesus is saying. He says, this is the truth. If you're wanting a, 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 a word that's opposite of that, if the word truth means reality, then the opposite of truth would be illusion. Or a lie. A trick. So what Jesus is saying is this. The world is going to lie to you and say that you can get to me, you can get to God by being good, by being this, by being that, by being inclusive, by being infirming, by being all of these things. The world says you can go to God. But Jesus is saying, the reality is, I am the truth. And you don't get to God except through me. And that's the truth. Man, when you understand what Jesus is saying, He ain't playing. He's saying, baby, it's either through me or you're not going. Brother Mike, is there some other truth you could tell us? Nope, that's it. You see, truth is not defined by our own subjective standards. It's it's determined by the source of truth Himself. And if Jesus says he's the way, then hey man, (laughs) I'm done. He's the way. I know the way home. I ain't got to figure nothing else out. I'm going to have a good time because I know who my wagon is hooked to. And if it all ends tomorrow, that'll be fine with me because I know where home is. And if it's okay with you, I'd just soon be home tonight than anywhere else in this universe. Whoo! We're going to have church here in a second. Holy Spirit starts jacking up on me. Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then the opposite of that would be this. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't do my teaching, then you're... You see that? If you don't do it, then you're not. In, in the beginning, Jesus, uh, in the beginning, God, if you hold my teaching, you're reminded of something, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, preach, what do you mean that Jesus is the truth? Well, it means that what Jesus says is the truth. It's, it, it's the way it is. Brother Paul Estel, 21st century great philosopher from Southern Illinois, said, it is what it is, which means you can't change it. It just is what it is. It's a fact of life. What Jesus is telling us, guys, is a fact of life and eternity. It's a fact of eternal life. And when Jesus tells us truth, we can take it to the bank. Brother Mike, can you show that to me in Scripture? Yeah, thanks for asking. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Well, Brother Mike, who's this Word dude? 
God created everything through him, the Word. Nothing was created except through him, the Word. The Word gave life to everything, you, me, everybody that was created. And the words, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Well, Brother Mike, you've got to show me who that is. I want to know who that dude is. Who's the Word? Cool. Follow down just a few verses later. Because we're talking about how we know Jesus is the truth. So the Word became... Woo! The Word became human, became flesh, and made His home among us. He was full of the unfailing and unf- uh, unfailing love and faithfulness of God. He has seen the glory. The, uh, uh, he was seen His glory and the glory of His Father, His one and only Son, church. You might be saying, can you be more specific? Yeah. If you want to live with that truth, understand that Jesus is the truth. Moder- model your life after the Word of God. Who's the Word of God? Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't know if this is going to work, but it worked for me in the back. Do you think there's any? Do you think there's any part of this book that Jesus disagrees with? Do you think he disagrees with? Even what it says about marriage. Even what it says about sexuality. Even what it says about a man lying with a man or a woman lying with a woman. Do you think Jesus would? You, you think Jesus agrees with what the Bible says? I do. He's the Word. He's the Word. There's not one thing in this book that Jesus would disagree with because He's the Word. Well, Brother Mike, I don't like what you're saying today. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. I tell you what, I'd rather you, I'd rather tell you, I would rather tell you something you don't hear that you don't want to hear. that you need to hear than sugarcoat something that's going to hurt you in the future. Ain't nobody wants to hear the word repent, do they? Nobody in this room wants to hear the word repent, but church today, hell is filled with people who wish they could hear this message on repentance one more time the way you are. I wish I could have one more time, one more opportunity, one more chance. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I had one more opportunity to surrender my life to God. Hell's filled with people who wish they were sitting in the room that you are today. Keep in, keep Jesus at the center of your feelings, your identity, your protector. He's your truth, and he's your feelings. I'm going to tell you something. My feelings seem to run. I, I, my, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm at the stage in my life. I do not trust my feelings at all. Uh, because feelings change. And we live in a time where feelings run everything. Check the rage out on social media. You check the rage out on the news. You check the rage out anywhere. Everybody's ticked off. They're operating by emotions. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not telling you don't trust your feelings. I'm not going to tell you don't trust your emotions. But I would like to tell you what the Word of God says. It says this. It says that the heart is evil. The heart is the most deceitful thing there is and desperately wicked. No one really knows how bad it is. Mm -mm. That's like I don't trust my feelings. They lie. Our feelings and our emotions are a mood by, and our moods are affected by circumstances and situations. And if, if our feelings are what's running our life, our feelings change. We might have fear because we're unwanted. We might have rage because we're unheard. We might feel angry because we feel forgotten. I want you to think about this. 
Think about this. Do you want people in your life whose feelings change all the time? Man, that'd be hor- wouldn't it be horrible being married to somebody like that? I don't know if I love you anymore. I wish you would have told me that 30 years ago. We look at a situation like that and we think, to trust our feelings. When you put Jesus at the foundation of your emotions, your feelings, you will find a foundation that is unshakable. Now, church, when, when, when I tell you, do you want people whose feelings are flux? Do, I'm just this piece of advice. I ain't going to tell you this is of God. This is of Mike. Be careful about the people in your life whose feelings change. Because you want people in your life whose feelings will not change, even if the times do. And that's all wrapped up in a worldview that has Jesus looking at the center. Think about this. Don't follow your feelings. Follow the conviction of the Spirit of Jesus that lives inside you. Keep Him as the foundation of your identity, protect your truth, feelings, and finally, wrapping up, keep Jesus as the center of your living. Preacher, what do you mean by that? He's the reason you put your feet on the ground in the morning. Before you get up and going really good, you're already talking to the man. That means you're opening up your Bible before you open up Facebook. Oh, preacher's preaching this morning. It means you literally have him the focus of your life. What do you do? Who, well, preacher, tell me about yourself. I'm a Christian who is married. Or I'm a Christian who does this. I'm a Christian. My identity is wrapped up in him. He's who I am. That's it. And so when the idea comes along that we emphasize that we're living for Him, church, we were made to glorify God. Look at the Bible. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I'm dead and stinking. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me, church. He's the reason I rise. He's the reason I sing. He's the reason I smile. Church, if you keep Christ as your foundation in these areas... I promise you when the ideology of the wake movement, uh, woke movement comes towards you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. <laughs> it, won't, it, won't, it won't interrupt your faith. If you keep Jesus, if you keep Jesus at the center of your identity, your thoughts, He's your truth, your feelings are based on Him and you're living for Him. All right, let me give you a call to respond. Don't you just feel like the world is on a Self-destruct countdown that's just clicking back. It's like, gum, man, something's got to happen. Rapture, something. And I feel that way. I, anxious. I, I feel anxious about it, I guess. I mean, not in a weird way, but I mean, I'm, it's like something's about to happen. And if you see, if you look at the, around the world, things are already imploding. Gender, marriage, finances, p- politics. But I'm going to tell you what, as a pastor, to me, the most... Uh, the most glaring, obvious implosion in America is spirituality. Because I think we're self-destructing, not just as a nation, but I think we're self-destructing as people. It's self-destruction because it's a suicidal group think. We don't think things can change. We don't think things can get any better. But church, as long as God is God, I promise you, things will eventually get better. I promise. It's in the book. Amen. Who can look around the world landscape today with all the things that's going on and possibly think that there 
answer to today's woke environment, the answer to today's trouble. Who in their right mind would think that the answer to all the mess going on in our world, who would think that the answer is we need less God? Or we need less Bible. We need less. We need less of you, God. Y'all, He's not the problem. He's the answer. He's the solution. Matthew 5.45 In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You're not going to be the slave boy. You're going to be the son boy. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he stands, uh, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Hey guys, God's goodness is over everybody. But my goodness, as Christians, don't we have the responsibility to reflect the goodness of God louder and stronger than anybody else on this planet? We know what's going on in our world is crazy. And instead of pattering our lives according to God's word, we choose to live by lies. And we love lies. Lies are what we use to get away from God. Sometimes we call those lies excuses, but they're lies. We start off where God wants us, and then we say, well, I'm going to get right with my finances when I get better and I get older and things are more better. Lie. I'll get involved at the church whenever my kids get out of school and things like that, and my life is a little bit more smooth. Lie. I didn't raise my kids in the fear and admission of the Lord, but I'll do a better job with my grandkids. Preach, I just wish you'd shut up. There's where I needed to be, and every lie I told took me further away from where God wanted me to be. We love lies. That's what we paved that road with. It leads us away from God. A prime example of this is that we think it progressive as a culture to parade the sexual deviance in front of children or it's enlightening when we show this debauchery in front of kids or worse, it's loving. Oh, we love our kids. So we're going to show them this. Before I show this real quick video, uh, there's a term that's used at the end of it. It's Munchausen by proxy. Most of you probably know what it is. If you don't, it means Munchausen by proxy is a mental disorder where a caregiver gets attention because of the person they're caring for. Uh, a mom might keep a kid sick in order to have sympathy from the community. So the mom will keep the girl sick. Gypsy Rose was in that situation. Uh, but that's what Munchausen by proxy is. All right, Sister Jane, would you show that video for me? Tell me why you're at um, Pride. Because I'm transgender. Do you want to share anything about your journey? It was very tough. Does your family make you feel supported? Yes, a lot. How old are you? I am seven. And how old were you when you discovered your identity? I was two or three when I first noticed that I didn't feel comfortable with being a boy. How did your child discover this identity? How did this come about? So ever since she was little, she was always the princess, always. She sort of like, every once in a while, would mention ideas of like wanting to be a girl, of feeling more like a girl. And then she started asking to like socially transition about a year and a half ago, and her school's been fantastic. Your family, your friends, 
everyone like makes you feel supported and loved. Except for my friends. I, I didn't tell them that yet. Oh, wait, do you want to be on the internet talking about it then? Yeah. Okay. I hope to be famous one day. What do you want to be famous for? Uh, probably my songs or like famous drawings. It wasn't even really a change. Um, like she's been expressing herself as a girl since she was old enough to get dressed. I think that being the parent of a trans child is totally different than what people think that it is. And I know you hear a lot about um, how we're, again, we're gonna have our kids go into surgery and how we're forcing them to make these decisions. The opposite is true. You know, I'm up all the time worrying about how the world is going to react to my kid. I would rather have her change her pronouns a thousand times than have to write her obituary. I wish that people who have already decided that they hate us and that we're child abusers would actually talk to us. I feel like that would make such a big difference. But you're right, like the assumptions that people are making are the worst kinds of assumptions and nobody wants to hear, you know, what our truth is. What it's like to actually raise a transgender child um, is just so remarkably different than what I would have experienced or thought. What do you say to the people that accuse you of doing Munchausen by proxy? So I think that the assumption for that is that, and I, I hope this is taken in the spirit of what it's meant, is that that means that we wanted to have a transgender child. And I love her no matter what, but I don't think any parent wants their child born into something in which they know that they're going to struggle. It goes against the idea of parenting for me. One of the things about wokeism is that it literally hijacks some of the most precious things about your Christian faith. Compassion. Love. And perverts it. Twists it. The sole purpose of this insanity is for the corrupting of children's minds and hearts, just as those who demonstrate such debauchery behavior have had their own minds and hearts corrupted. I'm going to tell you the second thing this type of thing does is this. It makes the parents out to be the enemy to that child who is confused. Under the pretense of love and a, a f affirmation, we're watching children being lied to about who God created them to be. God created you to be a male or a female, a boy or a girl. And that charge against our young people is led under a rainbow, now symbolizes a demented worldview to lure and take advantage of innocent children who don't know any different. Have you ever asked yourself why the pri uh, primary colors, red, orange, yellow, Green, blue, indigo, and violet are used in preschools. Kids like bright colors. Primary colors. That's the banner. Kids, young, naive boys and girls who are naturally drawn to colorful things to lure and take advantage of innocent children who don't know things. Y'all, last week there was a Catholic couple in Indiana had their couple, had their son removed from him because... The boy identifies as a girl because they refused to use pronouns, her and she. Indiana took that couple's son away from them. That was four days ago. At the same time, they're confusing the kids. They're indoctrinating those confused kids into viewing their parents whom God has given those kids to, to providentially care for and provide for, the woke movement is telling those kids, it's their mom and dad that's the problem. Well, Brother Mike, that couldn't happen here. Y'all, Indiana touches Illinois, okay? It is happening here. 
If you're 18 and you think you're the opposite sex, you need Jesus. But if you're 8 and you think you're the opposite sex, your parents need Jesus. It's no wonder then that so many of these precious children try to commit suicide or to become unalive because they've had their God-given identity stripped from them. It's been ripped out. You know what it feels like when you have something ripped out of you? It hurts. But, But child, listen to me. If you're struggling with this, ending your life is not the answer. But Jesus is the only answer and He's the only one you need. Brother Mike, you sure sound hateful today. Uh Uh-uh. Listen to me. You have to preach the truth. All of it. Even the parts that offend people. Because here's the thing. Jesus never one time said, Oh, come as you are. I'm going to step on some toes here. He didn't say, oh, just come on in, it's all good. No, yeah, he does say that. You know, the implication is there. But can I tell you what Jesus' first words were? His first sermon. And apparently there's a connotation within the text that meant that this is how he introduced most of his sermons. He didn't say, come in, we'll have a love fest. Didn't some come in just as you are, it's all good. Jesus' first words when he preached were this. Repent, change, turn, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We can't go on with a worldview that says boys can be girls and girls can be boys. We can't go with a worldview that says marriage can be five, six, seven people. We can't do that. It's like asking, it's like asking water not to be wet. It's who I am. I didn't make it, it made me. So what do we do with these people, Mike? Who, what do we, how do we treat them? Well, Jesus said treat them like sinners and publicans. Oh, great, does that mean we get to hate them? No, you know what you do with sinners and publicans? You love them. You love them. You love them. Y'all, anybody's welcome to come to this church. Gay, straight, I don't care. Because everybody needs Jesus. And here's the thing, man. God will take us right where he at, where we're at, but He loves us too much to let us stay there. We've been brought free from slavery and we brought to the daddy's house. Why do I want to stay in shackles and chains? No thank you. No thanks. I'll take my freedom. I'll take my Jesus. Because, my son, because the Son has set me free, why in the world would I go back to Egypt? Brother Mike, it sounds like you're saying you've got you to fit into the mold of Jesus to walk after Jesus. Well, okay. He said follow, so I'm going to follow. He said do what He says, so I'm going to do it. What's your options? Do your own thing? You know why Jesus told us so much on how to live? It's because He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knew we would have messed up, so he told us he told us exactly what to do. He knows. People here in this message hate it. Because they don't want to repent, they don't want to change. But <laughs> you don't want church. Jesus said repent. He didn't say repeat. He said repent. He didn't say repeat. He said change, turn. He didn't say stay the way you are. Every head is bowed, every eye closed. Team, if you'd come up.
Church, what, what I've given you, I know this has been a long sermon. It's been a long series. There's more on this. You can say grace over. I get it. But I'm going to tell you what, if 3% of this sticks in your mind, mission accomplished. If 3% stays in my mind, mission accomplished. But as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, some of you today are thinking about, hey, I, I need to change some of the things I'm thinking. I need to change some of the, the views I have or some of the philosophies I have or some of the worldviews I'm holding on to or some of the things I'm saying are right and I know it's wrong. Word of God says it's wrong. So maybe for some of you today, it's time to repent. It's time to change. It's time to repent and stop repeating. Maybe it's a change of behavior. Maybe it's a, a change in the way you dressed. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's talking more like Jesus or loving more like Jesus. Or speaking truth out of love more like Jesus. But today, maybe you just need to... You need to repent of some wrong thinking, some negative thinking, some wrong views. Some of you need to get serious about your financial stewardship. I love you and I'm not, I, I love you enough to just tell you the truth. So here's the thing, I really believe that one of these days I'm going to be held accountable to God say, okay, what would you tell my people? What'd you feed them? I love candy, but it all ain't candy. Some of it's tough stuff to digest. Some of it's hard on the system, and this is one of those things today. This was hard on the system. But it doesn't make it any less real. It doesn't make it any less truth. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, please, to your feet. This morning, if you'd like to come forward just to get some things right with God. Made to turn from an unbiblical worldview, an ungodly worldview, an unscriptural worldview, an unchristian worldview, an unchristian philosophy. Replace them today with a biblical worldview. Lord God, today as we go into this invitation, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and you would draw us to you. Change our minds, change our hearts. Let us take the imaginations captive in the name of Jesus. Change us, Lord. And it's in your name I pray. And amen. This morning, if you need to come up and make some... Make some uh, Make some arrangements with Jesus. Make some commitments with the Father. And this invitation is yours. Would you come?